Hello, and welcome to Delaney's Tea Time. I'm your host, Delaney Oaks, speaking to you live from the not-so-sunny coast of Florida. In fact, there's a thunderstorm brewing. I have a wonderful guest today, but before I bring him on, I want to introduce the woman behind the show, my able co-host, the entertaining, charming, and talented Christine Jacare. This show wouldn't run nearly as smoothly without her. Hi, Christina. Please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Well, like everybody else here, I'm an author. Um, My first book came out several years ago under the name of Rachel Rubin. It was called Hag. Um, I also um, was live live blogging a book, my newest, called Fidelta. Um, I am on book two of that. Um, It's supposed to be a trilogy, but I think it's going to be a lot longer. I mean, it's just (laughs) going on and on. I mean, good Lord. (laughs) I I always say I should outline, but, you know, I never do. And even when I do, I never follow the outline. So it's just how I am as a human being. So um, (laughs) let's see. Um, I was live blogging that on the um, booksandentertainmentnetwork.wordpress.com site. Um, the second of every month. Um, but I still have my stories up there, so if you want to check those out, you can just go to the side and click Rachel Rubin, and all my all my books will pop up, my stories. Um, let's see. I also have a blog called writingbytheseatofmypants.com where I have a free book available called How to Self-Publish, a resource guide for beginners. Um, that book is available. You don't have to opt in with your email. It's just, you know, download it in any format you want, PDF, Mobi, EPUB, whatever, and you get the ABCs of, um, of self-publishing. So if you want to do that, you can feel free to do that. Um, okay, let's see. What else do I got going on here? Um, I think I got everything down. Um, I think you did. <laughs> I'm running down my mental list, but my my mental capacity at the moment isn't what you'd call uh, stellar. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I think you got everything. <laughs> oh, I have you been posting for Delta Ion? I'll be honest, I haven't been looking here lately. I've been too busy with other stuff. No, no, I haven't. I got to get back in the saddle. I know. I just, I got to find time somehow. Do I need to come up there and kick in your butt? Because <laughs> I will. Maybe. Maybe I will fly up there and kick your butt to get you. Of course, if I did that, then you'd be able to kick mine, and maybe that's not the best idea. So I'll just verbally kick your butt from here. That that sounds better. (laughs) Well, I am also an author. Um, I write mostly romantic suspense, though I do write uh, contemporary romance, uh, sci-fi, historical, and fantasy, and... Is that everything? Eh, it's close enough. I have lots. I write pretty much everything except horror, um, literary fiction, and biographies. I don't. I don't write those. Um, in addition to sharing on the Books Entertainment blog with Christina and some of our friends, I also share some of my unpublished work on my sites, DelaneyOaks.com, and writersanctuary.blogspot.com, I think is correct. Like I said, my, my mental capacity is not stellar at the moment, but that sounds right. 
I was trying to leave a message at the doctor's office yesterday and couldn't remember my own phone number. So we'll, we'll hope that I'm doing better today. Um, summer is officially here in Florida. It was 96 yesterday. It's 93 today. And I don't know about you, but I'm staying indoors. To help while away the hours, nothing is as refreshing as a good book. Today's guest has several for your entertainment. Uh, returning to the show is S. Evan Townsend. He is the author of a variety of exciting and unusual books, among them Rock Killer, Agent of Artifice, Artifice and Hammer of Thor. And there's so many more. Um, we're delighted to have him back on the show. Um, welcome, Evan, and please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. Oh, thank you very much. And, and, and you know, forgetting your phone number, when do you call yourself? So, That's you know. very true. That's <laughs> yeah. very true. Thank you for yeah, giving well, my, me an out. I feel better. <laughs> um, my name is S. Evan Townsend, and I write thrilling science fiction and mind-bending fantasy novels. I spent four years in the U.S. Army Military Intelligence Branch. Then I went to college to earn a B.S. in Forest Resources from the University of Washington. Go dogs! Uh, in my spare time, I enjoy reading, driving. I do that sometimes on a racetrack. I like to meet people and talk with my friends. I am in a 12-step program for Starbucks addiction. Uh, the first <laughs> step is admitting you have a problem, and I haven't done that yet. I live in central Washington State with my wife. I have three grown children, sons, and a cute, smart, brilliant grandson. I enjoy science fiction, fantasy, history, politics, cars, and travel. I currently have 15 published fantasy and science fiction novels. And you can learn more about me at my website, which is sevantownsend.com. All smashed together, no spaces, no caps, just sevantownsend.com. Fabulous. Well, congratulations on the grandson. How old is he? Thank you. He'll be four in September. Wow. That's so cool. We have our third granddaughter living with us. She just turned a year. And wow. she's, you know how they do the, the throw themselves back and have a temper tantrum, really dramatic <laughs> things? She's just starting to do that. And my husband's mother and I both have degrees in theater. And every time she does that, I just look at my son and say, I'm sorry. She comes by the drama queen naturally. <laughs> my fault. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you said racetrack. Tell me about racetrack. I didn't know you, you did racetrack driving. Well, um, up in Spokane, Washington, there was a racetrack. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, there, there's an organization called, uh, oh, what is it called? Uh, BMW Club of the Pacific Northwest. Wow! And they they hold um, track events and and high um, speed. Hang on, I got a thing I got to deal with here. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> high speed, uh, high performance driving training at that Ooh. track, and you pay your money and you get your car checked over. And then you can drive on the track for two days, um, and depending on how good you are, is what group they put you in. I only uh-huh. made it to B. I never made it to A. And you just drive as fast as you dare. There's racetrack. There's no cops. There's there's other cars, but they're uh-huh. all trained people, so they're not going to be scary usually. Um, and it's it's the most fun I've had with my clothes on. That sounds 
so much fun. I would love to do something like that. I like driving fast, but you yeah. know, right now we have a white Ford Ranger, and it doesn't go very fast. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. We we went. They have an indoor um, go kart track with little oh, yeah. electric cars up in Daytona. So we went there one day. It was so much fun. It yeah. was just great. But they have no power steering, so I kind of had a problem going around the curves because I don't have very much upper body strength. <laughs> and I'm trying, trying to turn this car. <laughs> I think I went twenty was my top speed on that track yeah well I mean I had my husband and two of my sons also going around at the same time and they're a lot stronger and they were going a lot faster so I'm having just stay in my place right in the middle and then they can go around me but we weren't allowed to time Uh ourselves at that track because then it's insurance companies say it's a race and they won't insure you some of them won't insure you anyway but um, so you had to say, this is a track event. I've been driving on the track. I'm not racing. I'm not timing myself, um, even though there were people who were timing themselves, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wasn't. Yeah. But I did get up to some, somewhat high speeds, like cool. 155. Ooh. You think you're ever going to yeah. put some of that in one of your books? I did a little bit in um, which book? Gods of Strife, my hero's sidekick. Uh, turns out he had some race driving experience. He steals a Lamborghini and, and drives it very fast. Oh, fine. That sounds like a blast. I don't know that there's anywhere around here that I could just get on any old road and just go. There are too many old people. I'd, yeah. I'd end up having a collision. Yeah. I've noticed in Florida there's two types of drivers, too fast and too slow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My my son, <laughs> who has, he, he lived in Anaheim for a short time, and he's driven, literally driven from California to Florida twice. And um, he tells me that Florida drivers are the worst. I said, oh, no, I don't think so. I, and then I remember that one day I saw a woman driving down the road in a yellow Humvee with her phone in one hand, the cigarette in the other hand, and her foot out the window. Oh, jeez. Yes. So maybe maybe he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, enough of that, I guess. Um, I... Uh, losing my train of thought i apologize um so what is the genre that that you would th- say is your best that you're best known for or do you fit in a genre or are you one of those like me that's kind of an outlier oh I'm, I'm definitely a science fiction writer the fact that i wrote five five yeah five fantasy novels has nothing to do with that um, but I'm, I've always considered myself a science fiction writer. It's just I had this idea for a fantasy world, and I thought, I'm going to write that, and I did. That turned into five books. Um, and uh, But I've, I've, since then, I've only written fantasy novels. I've written a few, I mean, science fiction novels. I've written a few fantasy short stories, mm-hmm. um, but um, most of what I write is science fiction. 
Oh, cool. Is there any other genre that you think you might want to explore one day? Mm, you know, I've always wanted to do a uh, Tom Clancy-esque techno-thriller military thing. But then I go, well, I've been out in the military for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So I'd have to do a lot of research to bring myself up to date. And I'd have to do a lot of talking to people. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert. Very interested. <laughs> I know that and, feeling. Yeah, and and so I, it just becomes overwhelming before I even start typing. So I, I even have a slight idea for a plot, and that would be that the uh, Iranians put a nuclear weapon on a Scud missile and put the Scud missile on an oil tanker and send the oil tanker towards America. Oh. And the Navy has to, and the Navy has to find it and stop it. Oh, jeez. Um, what yeah. if you set it? back when you were in the military and you just did like a a retro setting for your book rather than a current setting for your book, then you wouldn't have to do that. That's all. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Something just happened. Why do people always try to call me during a show? I don't understand. Um, That's what's going on. Yeah, and what's crazy is that they're not, I mean, they, my phone will go hours and days without ringing, and then whenever I'm on yeah. a show, they, it rings. Oh, well. Um, I tell everybody the best time to call me is the text. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, is there any genre that you don't feel compelled to explore? Horror. I don't do horror at all. Mm-hmm. I don't read horror. I don't watch horror movies. I don't want to write horror. Um, uh, I call it the uh, Lassie syndrome when I was a kid. Uh, and we're talking like five, six, seven years old. Mm. Lassie was on TV, and I always knew that Timmy was going to fall down the well. And the <laughs> dread of, of that happening um, just drove me crazy when I was a kid because I knew something bad's going to happen. I don't want to see it. And, oh, no. and so I, I, I couldn't watch Lassie because Timmy was going to fall down the well or Timmy was going to have something bad happen to him. So in horror movies, something bad, you know, and then they foreshadow it and you're just dreading it. I know people love this. I can't stand that feeling, that feeling of dread that something bad's about to happen. So I just don't do horror at all. I can understand that. I'm not a horror fan either. I am, I scare very easily. And I don't <laughs> tend to ever write something really horrific. I mean, I'll, I'll do like a spine tingler or a light thriller or something, but I'm not going to do something really that really scares me because then it'll haunt me, and I don't yeah. really feel like being haunted. So I leave that right. to the people that enjoy writing horror, and I will right. write my other stuff that's happy and upbeat. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't blame you at all for that one. Um I know that you've got – what is your newest book that you have out? Agent, Agent of Harkness. No, that, one, that one's very old. Annihilation from Above. Just is that one the one that you're going to read from today? Yes. Oh, right. Well, give us some background, and then we would love to hear your excerpt. Um, Annihilation from Above takes place in the near future when they're mining – uh, near-Earth orbit asteroids with robots. 
Mm-hmm. And terrorists hijack one of these asteroids and aim it at a major world capital. And with 30 million lives on the line, NASA astronauts Howard Drayden and Johnny Park have to try and divert the asteroid before it hits the planet. Ooh. So what is it you're going to read for us today? I'm going to read Chapter 18, which is uh, when they reach the asteroid. Ah, okay. All right. Should I read now? or? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Chapter 18, Annihilation from Above. <clears throat> Pardon me. Shuttle secure, all four pitons in, Park said over the radio. Roger, Drayden replied. That actually took half an hour or less than NASA had planned. Things were looking up. We're coming out. Both he and Colton were in spaces communicating by radio, and the air was being pumped out of the cargo bay. Roger, see you outside. Drayden couldn't help but smile. He turned in free fall towards Colton. Okay, you need to remember that even though these devices are weightless, they still have mass and therefore momentum. Don't let them get going too fast or we won't be able to stop them. I thought we were in a hurry, Colton said. We are. Just don't hurry in moving these things. Got it. Drayden didn't want to ask Park to come inside and help. That was where they had cut some time out of NASA's procedure. Instead, he looked at a gauge on the wall. The cargo area was in near vacuum, as close as the pumps could make it. I'm going to open the cargo door, Drayden said. There will be a slight puff of air escaping, so be ready for it. Understood. Opening the cargo bay door, Drayden said. Clamshell door pulled apart, and there was a slight thrust of air escaping. Colton sucked in a breath. But, Drayden asked, the view, thousands of stars in the void. I've never seen anything like it, even on the moon. First the ion drive, Drayden said, knowing they needed to be working. Right. Johnny, meet us at the cargo bay door. That, too, was part of the revised plan. Already on my way. The drive was about the size of a riding lawnmower tilted on its rear. Drayden and Colton got behind it and pushed it toward the door, their feet against the shuttle wall. It moved slowly, which made Drayden happy. But what he hadn't counted on was both men's feet leaving the wall as the drive kept going. Drayden pulled himself toward the drive with a handhold and managed to plant his feet against the wall on the other side. He tried to stop the machine, but its momentum was almost too much. He stopped it just before it popped out into space. Damn. That was close, Park said, too used to working with gravity. Yeah, Park agreed. With Park's help, they moved the drive carefully to the surface of the asteroid, all of them tied to the shuttle with ropes and snap links. Which way do we point it, Park asked. The round surface of the asteroid gave almost infinite options. Negative to the asteroid's vector of velocity, Colton said. Which way is that, Park asked. Colton didn't answer. After I land the shuttle, the geniuses at Houston sent coordinates where to put the drive, Trayton asked. Relative to what, Park demanded. The shuttle was the only landmark they could use. Sounds good. Trayton used the suit's built-in laser distance measure to locate the position for the drive. This took longer than expected, but soon he had the spot. There. Roger that, Park snapped. Using pitons attached to drive the asteroid was even harder than attaching the shuttle. It had less mass, so it moved easier, and they had to do it after putting some pitons in the asteroid to hold themselves. It took nearly an hour and a half for the three men to secure the drive 
the naked rock. They had to always be attached to something to keep them flying into space, and the Chinese nuke was st still coming. That's done, Park said as they finished. Let's get the power source trading. Knew they had to had just over an hour before the Chinese nuke arrived, and it would likely kill them all. His hope was that once the Chinese saw the asteroid accelerate, they would call off their bomb. They got back to the shuttle and tried a new technique. Braden and Colton pushed and Park acted like a brake to slow or stop it. The power supply masked more than the drive, so it was harder to get moving and hard to stop. Braden watched the seconds tick away. They pushed the power supply toward the door. Colton seemed to be in a hurry as he pushed harder than he had with the drive. I got the power supply moving too fast and Park couldn't slow or stop it. Bam, Park snapped as he tried to halt the mass. There was nothing Drayden could do but watch in horror as Park was smashed against the wall, followed by the power supply. It bounced off, and Drayden had to stop it again. Johnny, are you okay? Drayden asked. His voice died. Yeah, but that's going to hurt in the morning. Drayden breathed a sigh. Let's keep going. Since they had experience attaching the ion drive, moving the power supply went faster. With Colton and Drayden pounding in pitons, Park returned to the shuttle to get the thick black power cord. Hook it up, Drayden said. Colton took one end and shoved it in the ion, into the ion drive. That pushed him back, but a rope stopped him. They did the same with the power supply. Uh-oh, he said as he did. What, Drayden asked. He didn't need bad news, not with a nuclear weapon bearing down on them. Must have been hit when it hit the wall, Colton said. What, damn it. The automatic control is damaged. It'll have to be turned on and off manually. You mean someone has to stay here and run the drive, Park asked? Yes. That nuke will be here in about 15 minutes, Trayden said. You two get out of here, Park said. I'll run the power supply. Like hell you will, Drayden snapped. I'll do it. Colton was silent. That's it. Wow. That's really exciting. I like that. <laughs> I hope it Thanks. has a happy outcome, but I'm not going to ask for spoilers. I'm just, I hope it does. Yeah, okay. Um, where did you get inspiration for this book? Um, I, I was in a writing group, and um, someone was writing a book about an alien invasion of Earth, and the aliens were throwing asteroids at Earth. And Ooh. he had this line, and I wish I could remember it, it was brilliant. There's something about a, a thrown asteroid is just a natural nuclear missile or something, but it was written a lot better than that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, ooh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and uh, so I thought, well, what if somebody threw an asteroid at Earth as a terrorist event or attack? Mm -hmm. And uh, it grew from there. Oh, don't you love how inspiration just all of a sudden just pops in front of you? I, I think that's the yeah. most fun thing to me about being a writer is just getting this new idea to run with. Exactly, I agree. Um, what do you find most challenging about being an author? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I'm glad you asked that question. I see I'm stalling <laughs> for time. The thing I about well, marketing um, is probably what everybody says. Uh, marketing is just, I hate it. I'm not uh -huh. good at it. <laughs> um, I understand. And, yeah. And... Um, but as a writer and not a publicist, um, my biggest challenge is that I'm dyslexic and I'm a horrible speller. Oh. 
So luckily, spell check saves me a lot, but I proofread to death, and I have my wife proofread, and I have friends proofread. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm self-publishing, I have it professionally edited. Um, if I'm being published by a publisher, I let them do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that being a bad speller and being, I'm dyslexic. I will spell word like who and how I have the same letters, just in different yeah. order. I'll write how when I mean who and vice versa. I do that anyway, and <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> dyslexic, but I, I oh. have the same problem with spelling. I do. I and there's certain words that I have to use a lot, and I misspell them every time. You think after misspelling the yeah. same word many many times that I would have learned to spell it correctly? No. No, no, I, I yeah, haven't. That's, that's me and bureaucracy. I cannot spell bureaucracy yes, to save my life. Or, or, or any, you know, bureaucratic or bureaucrats oh, yes. or uh-huh. any of its, you know, related words. I cannot spell them. But it's, yeah, it's, it's, that, it's a weird way to spell words. Yeah, yeah. So, so I just, and, and usually I type in what I think is how it's spelled, and then the spell checker says this is spelled wrong. I go, okay, let's spell it. And the spell checker throws up its hands and says, I have no idea what you're trying to say here. <laughs> I had a student when I was teaching who, God bless the kid, could not spell to save his life. And he would turn in a paper. Uh, they had to do book reports every month. and They had to do this and that, their tests. They had to write essays. Right. And he'd spell the same word wrong seven different ways. <laughs> and I finally talked to him one time. I said, why, why do you spell it all these different ways. He said, well, because I figure if I spell it enough ways, one of them is going to be right. I said, no, darling, what you've found is seven ways to spell it wrong. Seven different ways to spell the same word wrong. Bless his heart. I think he had some dyslexia going, but since he was a gifted student, they didn't test him for that. They would refuse to test him for for dyslexia because he was gifted. Like, you know, those two things can go together. You can they be super can. smart and can't can't read things because you're dyslexic. Oh well. well was it Winston Churchill was a poor speller. Mm-hmm. You know. And um I'm trying to think there was somebody else who was brilliant who was a poor speller and I can't remember who it was. So never mind. It doesn't matter. That's a, that's a good example. And look how far he got in life. So um, who says we need spelling, right? <laughs> right. First, My father-in-law you... was a mid-level executive, and he said, spelling is what the secretary does. Exactly. He said, I don't have to spell. I dictate to her what I want, and she's got to spell it right. Yeah. So he had oh, a point, but not all gone. have secretaries, right? <laughs> find your books the best way to find my books is to go to my website which is excuse me seventownsend.com but just basically my name squished together.com and I have links to every um, what source for my books Amazon Mm -hmm. Barnes and Noble you know Hobo um, can't think you know lots of links um, every link I've found, maybe there's one out there I haven't found yet, 
Um, I Google my own books because to find these links. And mm-hmm. um, Smashwords, that's the one I'm forgetting. And yeah. some of my books are lots of places. My self-published ones aren't quite so many places. But um, all the links are there, along with reviews and excerpts and and the blurb. And you can sign up for my newsletter and put in a drawing for a free book and um, lots of stuff. Excellent. Um, I have a question in the chat room. Um, what's the strangest length you ever went to to research a book? Strangest length? Um, I'm sorry? Oh, I just said strangest. I'm trying to think. I've oh. gone to, I, I went to, um, for Agent of Artifice, I was in Miami for a business, and I drove to Key West mm-hmm. because a short scene takes place in Key West. Um, so I wanted to get it right, and that's why I did because I had a few things wrong in my book. And, and also, the, the the climax of that book, Agent of Artifice, it's a fantasy, takes place at the Space Needle in Seattle. So I went to the Space Needle in Seattle. I rode to the top. I was up there. And they must have thought I was a terrorist because I was like measuring things. And <laughs> how far across is it there? And how far does that go down? And, and then they had a book on what the space needle looked like looked like when it was first built, because Agent of Artifice takes place in sixty two, uh-huh. sixty three, um, and um, so I bought that book. But uh, you know, I was yeah, they must have thought I was strange because I was, I was, I was taking lots of pictures, and, and and this was before every cell phone had a good picture, had a good camera on it. Um, oh, no. So I so I took my little, you know. Um, digital camera to take pictures that uh-huh. I was doing research and they didn't say nobody said anything to me. Which you know, they come up and said, What are you doing, sir? I would have been like, Oh, I'm researching a book. <laughs> I've, I've never <laughs> um but no, nobody said anything to me, but they must you know somebody must have thought I was a, a terrorist. Oh, probably. Something. Well if they thought you yeah. were too bad they would have arrested you. So That's I, true. I guess maybe they decided that you looked pretty calm and and uh mm-hmm. Collected and and tame, they yeah. they're not going to bug you. <laughs> yeah, that is so funny. I mean, I have gone places like Saint Augustine, but I didn't get quite that detailed with you know with my research that I was going around measuring the fort or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't using a tape measure. I was kind of like, okay, it's 10 steps across here. And it's, right, yeah. You know, and it's, you know, because the Space Needle is not huge. You know, mm-hmm. the, the top of the Space Needle is not huge. And so it was like, it was like 15 feet from the elevator to the uh, outside window. Uh-huh. So, and I wanted to, I wanted to know that. So, <laughs> I stepped it out. Yeah, some things it's important to know. You gotta for for action purposes, you need to know how yeah. big the space is you're working in. Yeah. And I understand that, but yeah, they probably did think you were were nuts up there. Yeah. <laughs> were you talking to yourself too? No, my wife was with me, and, and she was oh, talking okay. to her. I was taking oh, notes, so taking notes while I was writing, I was writing things down. And, Taking notes on my oh, oh man, this is going to date that book. I was taking notes on my Palm Pilot. Um, <laughs> that, that's how old that book is. Uh-huh. 
So oh, funny. anyway, that's probably the strangest thing I did. Research. I love that. Um, earlier, Christina was talking about, you know, making an outline when she, when she writes, not following right. the outline. Do you outline or do you just jump right in with your idea and start? I just jump right in and start. I kind of, what I'll do is I'll write, start writing the scene, and then I'll have to go to the bathroom. So I'll go to the bathroom. While I'm in the bathroom, I'm writing what I'm going to, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write next. So I sort of pre-write, and then I come back and I write what I was thinking about in the bathroom. And I did that mm-hmm. on. And then I'll have to go to the bathroom again, so I'll go in the bathroom, and I'll think about <laughs> what I'm going to write next. Or, you know. <laughs> so I sort of outline the next three paragraphs. After that, I'm, I'm and I do it in my head. After uh-huh. that, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a pantser all the way. Oh, good. Me too. So, so your bathroom is just basically like your office extension? And, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So once I get in the once I get in the groove of writing, I don't stop. You know, uh-huh. even bathroom breaks. I go in the bathroom, but I, I'm still writing while I'm walking there and in there, and when I'm walking back. I understand. I I get my best ideas in the car when I'm trying to yeah. drive in all the crazy Florida traffic, which is not good. No. Uh, I I was working on one book and I had set it in a, a business in the next city over, and I happened to be driving by there and saw the building that I was using as my backdrop for this story, and the story had been kind of stalled, and as I'm driving by, I see the building, and then, boom, I start getting all this stuff in my head while I'm driving. Now, I don't know about you, but I, like, see the action in front of me yeah, as I yeah. write. So I'm <laughs> driving That's down. That's so good while you're driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of a problem. So I start getting all these details and, and words flying across in front of my face and action. And, oh, my God, it was awful. I finally had to pull over, and I didn't have anything to write on. You know, like I didn't have a notebook, but I had a pen. And I had the receipt from where I'd been shopping, and I started scribbling notes to myself on the back of that. But I had to stop to do it because, I mean, I I couldn't do it while I was driving. It did not work. Uh, But that was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I I remember, I distinctly remember where I was and what I was doing. I was was walking for exercise um, when I came up with the idea for Hammer of Thor. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, what if I took magic users and put them in World War II? And uh, that's how Hammer of Thor came about. Mm-hmm. It, it blew up from there. It goes back to the 1930s, and it finishes in the 1950s. But the core that I started with was World War II. Now, which was first? Was Agent of Artifice first? No, Hammer of Thor was that, okay, that's what I thought. I was getting myself mixed up. I, for some reason, I always reverse those two in my head, and I'm not sure why I do that. But no. oh, I loved those books, and I loved Rock. Oh, Thor. thank you. Oh, thank you. I haven't, I haven't had the chance to read your your newer books, but I remember that's why those are the ones in your introduction, because those are the ones that I remember clearly uh. and loved so much. They're so good. Um, 
I want you to talk a little bit about the world that you created for that because it's really cool. It's very mm-hmm. different. And I would I want you to kind of talk a little about how you set it up. For what? For rock color? Yeah, well, for, no, for the the first two. Oh, for Hammer of Thor and Major of Artifice? Yes. Um, back in the well, – I was living in Vancouver, Washington at the time, so it must have been the uh, late 90s. Um, I don't know. Um, not much of you, you do this. You ever just sit down and start writing just because you're bored and it sounds mm-hmm. like it was fun to do? Well, I did that. I sat down and started writing. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. I, start, I started writing this in the hotel room. Um, mm-hmm. I was on the road for business. I traveled a lot for business back, to, back when I was in the corporate world. And um, so I started writing this story. And all of a sudden, this giant bird shows up. <laughs> and my my hero in the story, I've never posed a story. I haven't shown it to very many people. My hero pulls out a gun, shoots it, and the bird kind of screams and comes at him more. And he's like, oh, it's, it's not gonna, I'm not going to kill it with bullets. So he shoots fire at it. And I've never written anything fantasy in my life before this. So I ended up writing this short, short story um, about, you know, guilds of magic users and can't let anybody know your real name because they can use it against you. Mm-hmm. And um, they work with the elements, fire, air, water, and earth. Um, dirt, dirt, earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, they can influence people. They can influence animals. And so I wrote that story, and it's like, you know, three, 4,000 words. Um, and but I, but I set the I built the universe. And that was, it was set in the near future, too. Um, and so I built the universe of, of the adepts. And then I had the idea for, uh, I was talking about for um, Hammer of Thor, taking that. I'm putting it in World War Two, and, and the depth. What would the depth reaction would be to war? Well, they'd be like, "This uh-huh. is your war. This isn't my war." You know, this, I have nothing to do with this. And um, you know, because they, they, they're very disdainful of what they call lessers or or non-magical people. Uh-huh. And so, but my hero, um, not Vaughn. That's Agent of Art was Cater, Francis Cater, um, starts out, this is your war, I'm not going to do anything about the war. Towards the end of the World War II section of that book, he's like, okay, i got to help fight the Nazis because they're evil enough, but they got to be fought, even by me. And, mm-hmm. and then in the part that takes place during the Korean War, um, he, he, he finds out, i got to fight the communists because they're as bad or if not worse than the, than the Nazis. Yeah. So, so that's that's how that book came about. <laughs> and then Agent of Artifice, I said, what if there was a, one of these adept magic users and he joined the CIA in the 50s or the 60s? And that's where Agent of Artifice came from. Uh-huh. So, Interesting. Um, I think it's fascinating how people's minds work and how we – we come up with these ideas, and it's always funny to me that 
other people who aren't writers don't look at a situation and go, what if, in the same right. way. Right. And, and I've always done that. What if this, I would see two people walking along the sidewalk and think, oh, what's their story? Why are they doing that? Or right. go by, do you ever go by a traffic accident and look at it and think, huh, I wonder what happened there, who hit who, and try yeah. to figure it out in my head. Well, I, I, rationalizations and stuff. Yeah. My wife and I were in a restaurant in Spokane. I live near Spokane. Um, and um, there was a table for just two people real close to us. And there was a couple there, and they were talking. And I'm like, oh, like this. And I'm like, they're, they're on a date. She, she looked at him and goes, yeah, they're on a date. And I go, hmm. I wonder, you know, is this their first date? Is this a later date? You know, they seem to be getting along pretty well. And um, so I was thinking about that, and then they left. Um, and then a, a gay couple sat down there. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty sure that was a first date because they were pretty, um, not nervous to the word, but they weren't very intimate. They were uh-huh. just friendly. Um, but I, it, it looked like a date even though they, they weren't intimate. And I thought, oh, this is a, you know, what's, what's their story? You know, so, so yeah, I do that. You know, I was at um, – Starbucks. I, I go to Starbucks every morning because I'm addicted to it, and it gets me out of the house um, because otherwise I sit in front of my computer all day, um, which I do almost anyway. And uh, you know, this was it yesterday? Is yesterday or the day before this? I was sitting there, and this couple comes in, and 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 uh, the woman's real pretty, and the guy's handsome, and. Uh, and I like cars, so I'm looking at their car going, oh, that's not a real nice car, so they don't have a lot of money. But they seemed really happy with each other. And I was mm-hmm. going, well, you know, can't buy me love. Um, <laughs> yeah. wow, and, and so, I, so you know, I was, I was just thinking, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if their story is. They didn't have any kids, you know, yet. And, and uh, mm-hmm. so I just, I just, I didn't watch. You know, there's it, it, it a funny thing happened to me at Starbucks. Um, there's people watching, and this black guy comes in. And he's wearing a hat that says Superman on it. And I'm like, ooh, that's a cool hat. He starts walking towards me, and I'm like, I don't know, David Manor, what's he doing? He comes up and says, I like your shirt. I go, oh, oh. Funny. I look down. I'm wearing a University of Washington football shirt. I said, well, I like your hat. He says, oh, I used to play for the University of Washington. I'm like, seriously? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's your name? And he says, LaVon Coleman. I go, Levon Coleman. Well, he was a he was a big football star at the University of Washington back in the uh, you know 2016 2017 era. So I was like, yeah. And, and after that, he went pro. He's like, yeah, I was a pro. I was in the NFL for a while. I said, great. And this story has nothing to do with writing. I'm just bragging about the fact that I met Levon Coleman. Uh, <laughs> How cool! I know that yeah. name. I and I I'm not a f- football person at all but i know his name that's familiar to me how cool yeah, is that yeah. <laughs> and now he's selling real estate in, in um what they call tri-cities area of washington mm-hmm. you know, which is south of where i live mm-hmm. but um anyway so i i saw him another time at starbucks and you know so, oh, my brother's there i said hey this is the an ex-nfl <laughs> player and, and my brother's like oh really I'm like, yeah but, you know, it's interesting. People, well, here's the point of that story. You never know who you're going to see and who you're going to meet. And right. people are interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. My husband swears that he saw Lonnie Anderson in the Publix one day years ago. <laughs> she cut, Well, you know, she, she and Bert lived near yeah. where we are for a while. Oh, okay. And so yeah. he swears he saw her in, in the, the Publix one day. And he may have. I wasn't with him. He said she was wearing a big hat pushed way down on her head and sunglasses that covered most of her yeah. face. He said, but there was no mistaking that figure. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my, my my sister, who's an avid skier, she's at Sun Valley, and she's she's told me, well, I, I went up on the uh, chairlift with Tom Hanks, and I saw John Kerry in a store, and I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger in a restaurant, and I'm like, <laughs> wow, fun. Yeah. I got to yeah. meet Ruth Warwick once. Not just it wasn't just random. She came to the university where I I went as a speaker, and they they had a reception. And because my father was in the department that sponsored this uh, lecture program, I got to go to the party, and I was oh. talking to Ruth Warwick, and oh, it was so cool. She was just the most elegant lady ever. And for anybody who doesn't know who she was, she was Phoebe uh, on uh, All My Children for years and years, but she was also uh-huh. the wife of Citizen Kane. That was her big break into movies and, and TV and so forth. She was Mrs. Kane in the movie. And um, just the most gracious, elegant, lovely woman. And uh, I also, through um, that same program, um, I met Harlan Ellison, Robin uh-huh. Cook, and Richard Brodigan, and that was really cool. And, that is uh, cool. And I managed to get Brodigan to sign all of my books. I had like six of his books, and I got him to sign <laughs> them all. And this was like maybe six months before he committed suicide. So uh-huh. uh, I felt really, really honored that he was willing to stand there and talk to me because I was just a little chatterbox just going on and on and he was so kind and friendly and gracious and shocked that I wanted him to sign all my books yeah you know uh, Larry Niven who is a science fiction writer of some renown said if somebody shows up at a signing with a grocery bag full of books sign them because at least they bought them Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that that's cool though that you you experienced that. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you going back to your excerpt. Um, yeah. If one of your characters had a theme song, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> well, if it's Braden or Park or Colton, um, theme song. You know, um, Hark is is a hardworking, happy guy. So his, his theme song, I, and he, he, I can't think of the song. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, his theme song would be like, working for a living. Working for a living. Oh, you mean like, Thinking works hard for her money? That one. No, no, no. I think oh. it's a Louis Lewis and the News song. Working for a living, taking what oh. they're giving, and I'm working for a living. Yeah. Oh, that I don't know that one. Okay. Yeah, it's an 80s song. 
I've probably heard it and just don't remember. Yeah. That's funny. Um, oh, I've got another question in the chat room. Um, yeah. If you could be any one of your characters, which one would you be and why? Hmm. Michael Vaughn. You know, so I have to think about that very long. Um, uh, he, he's, he has magical powers. Mm-hmm. He's he's handsome. He's debonair. He's suave. Um, and um, he's um, he, he's sort of a playboy. At, at the at the beginning of the book, he's, he's sort of a jerk. Um, mm-hmm. toward, towards the end of the book, he figures you know he he develops his character a little bit or a lot. Um, but he's a uh, he, um, I, I guess of all my characters, he's the one I want to be the most. Because, <laughs> you know, well, he you is know. an awesome character, so I think you chose well. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you know how I, I envision him, my my, the face that I see when I'm reading about him. Do you remember when Kevin Costner was really young and he was in? Um, Oh, what's it called? Was it was it No Way Out? The one where he's yeah. a, a sleeper Russian spy. Yeah, that hair, was No Way Out. Yeah, and yep, his yeah. his hair was very close cut and and a lot right. blonder. And that's how I see Vaughn. Oh, interesting. It's like I, I see. Yeah, I see Vaughn as um. Oh, that actor, Bond, not Owen Wilson. Uh, he's better looking than that. Um, oh, what is his name? Anyway, I see him as a another actor, modern actor. Because I've cast him. You know, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy would be great. And um, I can't think of his name. Anyway. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> It'll come to you. Not um, Deadpool. Um, but uh, I can't remember who plays Deadpool now either. Oh, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds, like, yeah. 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 Um, oh, that's a good choice too. Yeah, that is, I, I not can I think see about that. It. That's a good choice. Um, he plays Kent in the Barbie movie. The guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> I don't know the Barbie movie. <laughs> Barbie movie hasn't come out yet. It's coming out soon. Okay. Um, well, my granddaughters will probably love it. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> oh goodness. Um, I'm going to have to look that up later and see, because I'm curious now. I'm very curious. Um, well, we're almost, it's almost time to go. Ooh. I wanted to ask you before we go, do you have any advice for authors that you would like to share? Um, the best way to make movies is movie. The best way to make money as an author is Ryan Gosling. Um, the best way to make money as an author is... Uh, <laughs> Is uh, um, ransom ransom notes? No, the the my my advice I give to all authors is um, just keep writing. First of all, it'll make you a better writer to keep writing. Because mm-hmm. you know, if you read the stuff I wrote, you know, well, if you read Rock Killer versus Annihilation from Above, they're both mm-hmm. about asteroids. They're both about um, heroic people. But I think Annihilation from Above is better written. I think that because I'm a better writer now because Uh I've written 13 more books since then. 
And every time I write a book, I try to get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I hope I do. So just keep writing. And when you got writer's block, just keep writing. And when you don't mm-hmm. feel like writing, just keep writing. And when you uh, are depressed and upset because you can't sell a book or you can't sell a short story, just keep writing. You know, I think so. that's great advice. Um, do you read your reviews when you when you uh, look at your books? Do you read your reviews? Yes, I do. And um, I don't really get a lot of bad reviews. Um, I, I had a troll once who put a one-star review on all of my books. That was fun. Um, I'm like, if you didn't like the first one, why did you read the other nine? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty strange. Why would the yeah. person write, read all the books if you didn't like the first one? That yeah. so that I figured it, he had to be a troll. I don't know why I did this. Yeah, but you know, trolls exist. So um, yeah, I read my reviews. Uh, you know, the good ones make me smile. The Bad ones. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten a real one-star review. Um, you know, that wasn't a troll. It wasn't mm-hmm. that troll. Um, the bad ones or the mediocre ones. I I try to see if there's if there's something I agree with. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I had a review on Agent of Artifice, and they were complaining that I used the word cheap too much in the first chapter. First couple of paragraphs, even because I said, if I remember the book right, you know, um, I can't remember the character name, Gonzalez or something. Gonzalez put his cheap liquor on the cheap bar and on the cheap table in the cheap bar. And they're like, why do you say cheap so much? I'm saying, well, I'm trying to enforce the fact that this is a cheap place. It's a dive. Yeah. Yeah. That was so. done by choice for effect. Yeah. Exactly. Don't they get that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, they didn't get oh. It, I oh well, I mean, I have done that now. If I find myself repeating the word, then I know I've had I have a serious problem. But in that particular case, it worked because you were you were describing something, and right. you kind of hammering home. This is a cheap place with cheap furniture with cheap this. I think it was great. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Um, I feel like there was something else I was going to ask you. Um, oh, do you listen to music when you're writing? No, I don't at all. Um, I listen to the fan on my computer. <laughs> um, because you know, if I listen, if I listen to music, I might start typing the music, or I can't <laughs> hear the voices in my head if I if I if I listen to music. I could probably listen to classical music. I haven't uh-huh. tried that, but um, I, I could listen to, like, modern music, rock and roll, um, uh-huh. anything with lyrics, because unless it's, like, in German or Italian or something, you know, so I can't understand it. Um, <laughs> I'll just throw in some Rammstein. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so, no, I, I, I don't listen to music while I'm writing at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I don't I know, know if I can write without it, but I get it. Um, you know what yeah. works too? What I listen to when I'm doing some heavy editing, rain. I'll just get recordings of a thunderstorm oh, okay. and listen to that. And there was one guy that had like rain on a tent, rain on a tent, tin oh. roof, 
rain <laughs> on the ground. It was the coolest thing. So you could get like wow. 10 hours of rain. It was wonderful. <laughs> rain on a tin roof. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, that was that one I couldn't listen to for long. But yeah. I like yeah. the rain on the tent, the, on the canvas tent. Yeah. That, that was good. Had a nice yeah. texture to it. Well, as always, it is just a delight to talk with you, and uh, good you. luck on your book sales. I, I hope Thank to you. get around to reading more of your books. I haven't really read anything that wasn't sitting on my bookshelf already. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, it's just been that kind of lifetime for the last 10 right. years. <laughs> yeah. But anyway... Um, Please, anytime you'd like to come back, we would love to have you. So, right. you know, I, you are always welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Listeners, please tune in on Wednesday, June 28th, when our guest will be horror author Damon Manx. Until next time, this is Delaney Oaks. Goodbye, and have a blessed tomorrow. <laughs>